0: Welcome to the podcast of America This Week, courtesy of the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM 129. If you wanna to listen to more, subscribe to Sirius XM and tune in on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern on the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129.
1: Thanks for sticking with us here on Sirius 129. This is America This Week. I'm Father Paddy Gilger, here with Kevin Clark and Father Matt Malone. We've been having a conversation with uh, Dean Detloff, our Toronto correspondent, about the tensions in Canadian secularism, especially as they're symbolized or represented in uh, the figure of the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau. Uh,
2: Dean Detloff is the uh, Toronto correspondent for America Magazine, and he's a member of the Institute for Christian Studies there in Toronto. Uh, And he joins us uh, to talk about what's happening there in uh, Canada and his article, which you can find at americamagazine.org forward slash series, Justin Trudeau's Celebrity Secularism and an Examination of Canadian Conscience. Dean Detloff, thanks for being with us.
3: Hey, thanks so much for having me.
2: Yeah. So for our uh, listeners who uh, may not have read the piece yet, uh, what are you saying and why are you saying it now?
3: Sure. Uh, Well, so I'm trying to articulate something about the complicated kind of web of identities that Canadian Catholics negotiate living here in Canada. Uh, I'm originally American myself. I've lived here about five years now. So in some ways, I'm also, I guess, trying to uh, explain to myself what it is that that I'm feeling and what my, uh, you know, uh, other folks in the pew with me are feeling as well or expressing. And uh, it's interesting because Justin Trudeau was elected the prime minister, and he himself is a Catholic, as you were just saying, but he's also the leader of the Liberal Party, which is currently the controlling federal, uh, federal government party in Canada. So uh, trying to kind of come to terms with some of the clashes that he has had, uh, both as a political leader and as a Catholic himself with uh, local Canadian bishops. That's kind of one part of the piece, I guess, trying to look at how these kinds of things come together and also don't come together sometimes, uh, political identities and religious identities. And then on the other hand, also trying to understand that these kinds of conflicts aren't just between the government and uh, the the hierarchy, but they're also conflicts that happen in the hearts of everyday average people that are going to church. And those conflicts in in those hearts and those consciences happen uh, with both the hierarchy and the government, sometimes. So I'm kind of trying to figure out what it's like to be a Catholic in a society that really values pluralism, and in a society where even Catholics really value pluralism, but are also trying to figure out what it might mean to be a Catholic in that kind of environment.
2: Right. So where is the where's the rubber hitting the road here? What are what are the issues and events that are are marking this conflict?
3: Sure. Well, there are a number of events, and it kind of depends on how you slice up some of the uh, religious, secular um, issues here. But I would say the, uh, maybe the, the biggest kind of headline-hitting uh, thing happened a few years ago before the Liberal Party actually won uh, uh, and Justin Trudeau became the prime minister. And that was when Trudeau, as the leader of the party, uh, decided that if you were a member of the Liberal Party— you, and there was a vote that came across parliament floor uh, that had to do with abortion, you would have to vote pro-choice. Uh, and that was a huge issue because many people in the Liberal Party have, of course, uh, conflicted feelings about abortion, even though abortion is legal in, uh, in Canada. And so this was a huge uh, sort of headline-grabbing problem because Trudeau, like I said earlier, is Catholic, and a number of bishops spoke up about that and wrote some open letters to him and that kind of kicked off a number of public confrontations between Trudeau and the bishops. Did
0: and I... Did, did, abortion did, is
3: probably... Yeah, sorry, go
0: ahead. Uh, I'm just wondering, when, when when he sort of issued that edict as the leader of the Liberal Party, uh, did he get the reaction, did, did people fall into line as he desired, or did a lot of people protest? Did they leave the party? Uh, and if they left, what, what becomes of an ex-Liberal Party member uh, who uh, has pro dire pro-life tendencies?
3: Yeah, well, it's really hard to say, actually. And In fact, the party has been somewhat, uh, I don't know if you would want to say secretive. It, it, probably the better way to put it is they haven't been very vocal about the consequences of that decision. Uh, there were a number of profiles of people who did decide to leave the party over that. And what happens to them isn't exactly clear. Uh, the only party that has any significance in Canada where they could put their conscience on the issue would be the Conservative Party of Canada. But there are a number of reasons that people who might be pro-life also may not want to join that kind of party for other policy decisions. So that's kind of a problem for them. I did email the Liberal Party not too long ago when I was writing this article, trying to get some more clarity on the policy. In particular, for example, if a if a Liberal member of Parliament wants to uh, abstain from voting, would they be permitted to do that? So maybe they wouldn't vote, you know, pro-choice, but they would avoid um,
0: breaking the party right, banner. Their-
3: Yes, exactly. And, and uh, anyway, they, uh, they said that's an internal matter, and they're not uh, sharing that information. So, yeah, who knows? It's anybody's guess.
0: So it's a double-secret probation for, uh, for people
2: who <laughs> might— uh,
3: Yeah, I suppose. —
0: Liberal Party <laughs> members who might vote pro-life. A super
2: double-secret. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Dean, now, so we have a center-right party, the conservatives. We have a center-left party, the liberals. Uh, I know we also have the NDP uh, which is somewhere in there. W- to which party do most Catholics belong, or are they are they kind of spread out among them?
3: Yeah, they're also kind of spread out among them. That's also hard to say. Uh, and of course, the issue is different in English Canada than in French Canada in Quebec, which right. is sort of a whole different uh, <laughs> ball of wax, I guess. But um, yeah, there are lots and lots of Catholics who have been lifelong Liberal Party members, for example. Um, Pierre Trudeau, uh, Justin Trudeau's father, was you know, probably one of the most famous prime ministers in Canada's history, and he was a Catholic, and very famously so. Uh, and of course, like I said, Justin Trudeau is Catholic as well. So and educated yeah, was, by
2: the Jesuits, right?
3: That's right. Yeah, that was right. Um, so it's hard to say exactly where Catholics line up. They don't have a kind of. Um, really strong party allegiance necessarily in the same way that you might get in the U.S., and that's true of many Canadians. Uh, You know, there are three major parties here and then a variety of other parties that aren't actually meaningless, and, uh, you know, they do win seats here and there. Um, So people don't really identify as closely with a party, say, as you might as a Republican or Democrat in the U.S.
0: Do you think, Dean, I'm I'm thinking of the recent March for Life, I think, in Toronto, that was turned back by police because of a small counter-protest, and, I'm, and as I understand, this is one of the first times they've tried a March for Life in Toronto. Is that correct?
3: Um, I'm not sure about the Toronto March. That the story that I, you may be uh, thinking of happened in Ottawa. Ottawa. In
0: I'm sorry. Yes, Ottawa. Um, yeah,
3: um, is that's it, not the first time they they have done it. In fact, last year, also around the same time of year, they were uh, they were rerouted as well. As yeah,
0: but it, it's it's not it's not like the phenomenon here in the United States, the annual March for Life. It's a much uh, lower-profile affair, I believe.
3: Yeah, now, that's I'm just... right. and in fact, the numbers this year were significantly lower than last
0: year. Is it possible that Trudeau's uh, attempt to sort of muzzle Catholic identity within the Liberal Party and perhaps broader uh, Canadian society, uh, I mean, it seems to me you guys don't have this, the, the kind of f- the battles we have in the United States over secular, sacred, uh, religious, political um, It seems like a more polite, altogether polite affair. Is his is his attempt to sort of stifle that dissent uh, having the opposite effect? Is is it provoking a higher like Catholics are finally waking up and saying, you know what, I'm I'm my identity is Canadian, but it's also Catholic, and I'm not going to subvert one to the other. Do you see any? Is that just a crazy idea or?
3: Uh, well, that's also sort of hard to say, but one kind of interesting way of thinking about it is how the Conservative Party dealt with this issue before the transition of power. So Stephen Harper was the leader, uh, federal leader of the government um, for a, a number of years, over a decade before Justin Trudeau uh, took, um, took that place. And before the Conservatives had taken power, abortion was already legal in Canada. And he made it quite clear at the beginning of his tenure that he was not going to touch the issue. It was sort of over and done with, and his government wasn't going to, uh, to deal with it. They had other things that they wanted to get through, and they, they viewed that, it seems to me, as a kind of uh, a losing battle. Um, and so the strange thing is that uh, the Liberal Party, for whatever reason, felt uh, that it had to um, sort of double down on that policy, even though it didn't seem to be getting any political challenges in any real significant way. And it does sort of seem like that's galvanized communities that probably otherwise might have been... Um, you know, maybe not happy with the policy, but they wouldn't have felt uh, perhaps directly targeted by it or anything like that. So, yeah. And the, and, yeah. And, and and the same uh, thing for
0: the uh, uh, the recent decision to require people to sign, uh, I don't know how to call it, all I can think of is a loyalty oath to uh, uh, Canadian policies on, on human rights and, and uh, uh, social policy That in order to get government money for, for, for jobs. That seems like another, you know, self-inflicted uh, wound, a uh, controversy that could have easily been avoided.
3: Yeah, well, that's a really interesting thing as well, so a little bit of background on that. Canada has this thing called the Summer Jobs Program, and it's meant for students uh, to give them employment opportunities over the summer and also to help out a number of organizations that need that kind of labor. And usually it's a pretty uncontroversial issue. I mean, people uh, apply for the funding, local members of parliament approve that funding, and you know, nobody thinks twice about it. Uh, but this year, uh, the Liberal Party has created what's called a people call it a statement of attestation. So you have to attest. That's to, what it is. You know.
0: Attestation. Okay. Yeah.
3: Not a so loyalty correct. oath. Um,
0: Definitely yeah. not a loyalty oath.
3: Yes. Yeah. There exactly. Um, so anyway, within that attestation are a number of things that the Canadian bishops specifically flagged as issues for them. One of them was abortion. One was uh, same-sex marriage, and one was gender identity. And they said, you know, this is something that we don't want to attest to, but nevertheless would they rely on this funding for all sorts of different things. So this policy seems to have been sort of rushed out. There are a few stories that are slowly uncovering, I guess, some of the the politics behind the scenes. But what's interesting is there was just a poll that came out yesterday from the Angus Reid Institute that says Canadians are divided 50-50 on whether or not that's fair. Uh, But maybe even more interesting, when those same uh, people are – Based with a hypothetical scenario where, say, a, a pro-life organization applies for this funding to do something that isn't specifically abortion-related, say running a soup kitchen or something like that, uh, three-quarters of Canadians actually say that they should be eligible for the funding. Oh,
2: well that's, so it doesn't seem to be yeah, very popular that's anyhow. Yeah, that's, a, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. That's actually encouraging. Uh, you're listening to America This Week on the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129. We're talking with Dean Detloff. Our correspondent in Toronto about his article, Justin Trudeau's Sep- Celebrity Secularism and an Examination of Canadian Conscience, which you can find at org forward slash serious. People might be wondering why a program called America This Week is talking about Canada, <laughs> and that's because America <laughs> Magazine does not just mean the United States. No. It always means uh, the Western Hemisphere, and uh, we are also published by the Jesuits of Canada. So... Dean, I had a
1: couple questions that I wanted to run by you to get your feedback on. Maybe the first one is to give a little bit of a context about where some of these problems come from or these interpretations come from in the Canadian context. And you write really well, I think, in your piece about the differences between Pierre Trudeau, Justin's dad, the very famous Prime Minister of Canada, and Justin, the current Prime Minister, and how their Catholicisms are different and how that might be informing their outlook. Could you say something about that and what those differences are and the effects they might have?
3: Sure. Uh, Well, Canada has changed pretty considerably since Pierre Trudeau was prime minister and Canadian Catholicism with it. Uh, But maybe even more specifically, I think the Quebec connection is especially important here. I'm Mm -hmm. not from Quebec, so of course uh, there's a bit of a limitation explaining some of this. But uh, that being said, Pierre Trudeau's uh, sort of time as prime minister did have some some famous uh, issues that are somewhat similar, some famous kind of clashes with uh, the bishops that he you know, that were around while he was around. So one of them was famously uh, decriminalizing um, homosexual relationships, for example, Uh, and he famously said the the federal government has no business in the bedrooms of Canadians. Um, But the bishops, you know, they uh, they respected Pierre Trudeau, I think, as a dissenter, and he himself had been sort of schooled in a, a progressive Catholic tradition. So some of the kind of big... Uh, figures that he was re- he was familiar with,
2: whether mm-hmm.
1: like
3: Jacques Maritain or Étienne Gilson or Emmanuel Mounier, so these kind of left-leaning, um, in some cases socialist Catholics. And so when Pierre Trudeau disagreed with the bishops, he often did so while still coming out of a, a pretty thickly Catholic formation. Uh, and you know he he disagreed with them as a as a Catholic and cited Catholic reasons oftentimes for those disagreements. Uh, Justin Trudeau is a bit of a different story, and I don't mean to suggest that he is somehow less Catholic or, or less authentically Catholic, sure. but he doesn't come out of the same kind of educational background. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he did go to the same school, for example, that his dad went to, but when his dad went there, as you mentioned before the break, he was educated by Jesuits. By the time Justin Trudeau had gone to the same school, it had been secularized along with a number of other Catholic institutions uh, after the 60s in Quebec. So Justin Trudeau's Catholicism is clearly very meaningful to him, very personally important, Uh, but he doesn't seem to argue from it per se in the same way that his dad would have here or there.
1: Yeah, that's a really interesting point that you make there, and I think it's it's uh, relevant because, okay, so I know you're a, you're a scholar of secularism in a number of ways, and so what I understand of it is that there are at least two important ways that we ought to understand secularism as a thing, and one way is kind of as a political secularism, like a regulatory mechanism that a state uses to enforce the kinds of participation you can have as religious persons in the public sphere, and then the other kind would be secularism as embodied in a person. And so that that brings me back to that point you make about formation there, and then you do a really nice job in the piece of broadening out this consequence, like the lack of Catholic formation on this new generation of Catholics. Do you think that's causal or not to the way people are uh, kind of maybe falling across party lines or not sure how to deal with these secular religious tensions in the Canadian context?
3: Yeah, well, that's also a bit um tricky uh one thing that i think i really was interested by as i was writing this article was talking with the uh, archbishop de Roche from who's from quebec and uh he mentions you know t- as the church has tried to deal with a uh, a society that can't exactly take the catholic faith for granted in ways that it may have in the past uh he says that's challenging but it's also encouraging because he says that uh, especially in a place like quebec Um, when you can sort of take Catholicism for granted, sometimes it really actually stilts your faith. And he says that became more clear as Quebec became more secular in in terms of policy and politics, because a lot Mm. of people sort of just quickly exited the church and that kind of caused him to wonder, well, how deep was that formation in the first place? And maybe this really gives us a chance to think about um, how you can't really just take it for granted, but you have to really, uh, really work on it. So, you know, uh, I, I, of course, naturally uh, having, Catholic formation makes a big difference in how people think and believe. Um, But I think it's also true that many Catholics in Canada kind of take a certain ownership over their own faith and a certain kind of agency with respect to how they navigate the public sphere. And I think that's a really important thing to kind of attend to as
1: well. When you talk about navigating the public sphere there, Dean, the difference between doing that in the Canadian context and doing that in the American context is interesting to me. So um, I'm a sociologist myself, and so one of the things that really occurred to me in the course of reading your article was this really interesting book by this woman who's a sociologist at the University of Southern California in Los Angeles. Her name is Nina Eliasoff. You may have read the book well yourself, it's called Avoiding Politics. But the argument that she makes is, it's really rooted in the American context. But what she really says is that there are certain techniques that Americans have for avoiding controversial discussions about politics in public. And, you know, we think of the public sphere as the place where you're supposed to debate what is good for the group that you're a part of. How are we supposed to have this discussion about what it means to be an American and what the good things are? And she makes this really interesting claim about how those discussions about what's good for us are actually being privatized so it's only in spaces of privacy where we feel comfortable having those kinds of conversations which tends to isolate us even further and do something like this now that's the american context but when you were writing about the politeness that uh, that is present in uh, in the canadian context i know i will always tease my canadian friends about saying i'm sorry every other sentence and so is there something <laughs> like this that goes on there in the canadian context that's similar or different from your reading
3: yeah i mean i think that canada does pride itself on being a, a polite society in some ways for the better and in some ways also for the worse because yeah. it can actually cover over real tensions and conflicts that are underneath all of that politeness for sure. Um, that's something that Dr. O'Hara mentions in the article as well, that Canada, Canadians are not only polite, but they can even be very smug about that politeness. <laughs> right, right, right. The way that, you know, they, they actually right. sort of ignore some of the real problems underneath, which isn't very healthy either. Yeah. Is there a...
2: I mean, here in the U.S., one of the ways that the conflict between the church uh, and public figures in the you know, like Trudeau, our version of Trudeau, uh, one of the ways that that has played out is in uh, it, you know, some some folks think that the that the church ought to be uh, there ought to be some kind of sanction, you know, for being a public official who. Uh, so blatantly contradicts the teaching of the church on such an important matter. And so there have been some bishops, for instance, in the U.S. who have said, I would not give communion to a Mm pro-choice politician. Has there been anything like that in the Canadian church?
3: Uh, Well, Justin Trudeau has had a a few sort of um, dust-ups, I guess, with, with a couple of bishops who have asked him to have a conversation with him, uh, the subtext sort of seeming like uh, maybe, you know, talking about those kinds of consequences, but nothing like that appears to have been, um, you know, realized or anything. Uh, And Justin Trudeau has met with a number of those bishops as well. Um, Exactly what's going through their mind, of course, is just speculation. But, um, yeah, I think it's sort of uh, (laughs) the bishops are are trying their best to to make a point. um, And it seems like for now they're also trying to respect Trudeau's conscience as a Catholic.
2: Yeah, it does seem to me that that's a kind of peculiarly American phenomenon. That's why I wanted to ask you about it. Um, mm-hmm. So how is his general standing right now uh, with the Canadian public?
3: Sorry, can you say that again? Uh,
2: what is it, how is his general standing right now with the uh, general Canadian Trudeau's. public? Oh, Trudeau's. Uh,
3: sure. Yeah, so Justin Trudeau, um, <laughs> it's interesting that you ask that now because Ontario is going through <clears throat> a, a, a provincial race that will be resolved next month. And uh, his party, the Liberal Party, has had, a, has had that provincial power for quite some time. And they're, they're wildly unpopular here right now. Uh, it's interesting to see what will happen with that. And some people have sort of wondered if Trudeau's star power might be able to kind of overcome that. And it seems like it, it can't. Um, that kind of personality doesn't seem to translate into those kinds of politics. And his popularity has been waning. I mean, that's not too unusual for political leaders, especially in the United States and Canada, um, but, uh, there are a number of issues that people have been upset with and not necessarily, um, you know, on, on, religious questions, more so based on kind of political promises that he has made and not followed through with, or, uh, certain, a certain ethos about his campaign that doesn't seem to have, uh, translated, for example, in, he had a commitment to nation to nation dialogue with first nations people in Canada and many first nations people said that is not <laughs> what's happening, um the same goes for issues of ecology and uh, a number of other kind of problems so yeah uh, exactly what will happen at the next federal election is kind of anybody's guess uh, both the conservatives and the new party that? have new leaders now so
2: when is the next federal election
3: uh it's coming up soon um you know, I can't remember off the top of my head if it's next year or the year after, but I'm pretty sure it's next year, so we'll
2: see anyway. And the, the Liberals, of course, had a uh, major victory in the last federal election, and that's part of what has given yeah. the uh, Trudeau and his party this great momentum. Uh, they were winning in places that they hadn't won in years or had never won before, and so we'll see whether that holds up uh, the next time mm-hmm. the Canadian people go to the polls.
1: Whether Trudeau's celebrity secularism can carry them. Great, great <laughs> phrase that you coined there, Dan. Yeah,
2: that is fantastic. Did you coin that phrase? I did, I did. Uh, All right, that's it. we're, no, get, we're getting you the t shirts. No wonder we hired you.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate
2: that you're helping me pay my bill. <laughs> yeah, you bet. Well you're helping you're helping us pay ours. <laughs> so um, very good. <laughs> the article is Justin Trudeau's Celebrity Secularism and an Examination of Canadian Conscience. It's by Dean Detloff, our Toronto correspondent. You can find it at America Magazine forward slash serious. Dean, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. So uh Justin Trudeau, son of Pier- Pierre Trudeau, um, and you know who Pierre Trudeau dated? Tell me. She who just, didn't? Who didn't just, he date? She just died this week. Oh, Margot. Margot Kidder. Wow. Kitter, who played Lois Lane in Superman?
1: Oh, see, I was going to have to ask you who Margot Kidder was, but now I don't. So I appreciate that. <laughs> oh come on. Uh, you wow. know, <laughs> this Thank, is you, Patty. A... Thank you for making me feel slightly older than I felt when I walked in here. <laughs> this is my. Uh, this is one of my expertises.
2: <laughs> Justin Trudeau is one week older than I am. Wow. Yeah.
0: So he's 39.
1: Yeah. Well, I think this I mean I think this conversation <laughs> right. is a really important one in a number of ways. Like so you know, what will this regulation of secularism look like in the future? So is is are we going to be able to settle with a government that's going to enforce these kinds of behaviors on people who may want to dissent from them? So that's one of the most interesting things I hear from Dean is that there are certain kinds of behaviors rising up yeah. in Catholics in light of this. It's right. like you know, to what extent is religion really causal there in people? Does it really influence our behaviors itself? And it seems like that kind of mode of of impression from the state or mode of you know regulation from the state is provoking some of this. Interesting.
2: Yeah. No, it is. And uh, if you tune in next week, we'll answer all of those questions. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. Right. So you have been listening to America this week on the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM One Twenty Nine. You can learn more about uh, all that we have covered today, uh, including our our coverage of what is happening in Gaza, our coverage of what is happening in Canada, our coverage of what is happening uh, at the Texas border, uh, as well as a host of other material at americamagazine.org forward slash series. You can also follow us on Facebook and on Twitter. And to subscribe to America, call 1-800-627-9533. That's 1-800-627-9533 for a smart Catholic take on faith and culture for Kevin Clark and Patty Gilger on Father Matt Malone. Thank you and good day.
0: Thank you for listening to the Podcast of America this week courtesy of the Catholic Channel on SiriusXM 129. If you want to listen to more, subscribe to SiriusXM and tune in on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern on the Catholic Channel, SiriusXM 129.